Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. This podcast episode presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Our news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. Taylor and Russell will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You may also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, the NFL draft starts Thursday night, runs through Saturday. Watch to see some combination of Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalijah Lipscomb, and Jared Pinkney come off the board. The guest line presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen, had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com, enter the promo code Vandy, and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass is with us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. We are doing this episode on the afternoon of Thursday, April the 23rd. The NFL Draft will kick off a few hours from now. I'm excited. I know you are incredibly excited. And with that, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us. I guess it's okay, man. I don't get all, all that far into it. Like a, a colleague of mine that I used to do a show with said today, I can just look in the paper and see who picked who. You believe, can you believe that? Uh, because <laughs> I know who you're talking about, I can believe it. But I'll look in the paper and see who took who. Man, this is one of, not only because everybody needs this, but this is my A number one sporting event of the year every single year. This is my, this is my Graceland, sir. People actually look in the paper for draft results. I mean, couldn't you look online first? Uh, man, I have no idea because I can't even think. I, I, I can't even. Act, I mean, I can't imagine not watching every pick. Are I mean, sh- Chris, when I say I watch every pick, who's your favorite Mister Irrelevant ever? Uh, it's going to be between one of two people. Uh, one, because one of them was my Colts, though he didn't do anything. Uh, Chandler Harnish, remember him out of Northern Illinois? I have to admit, I do the not. Quarterback, the quarterback. Matter of fact, you know, since Andrew Luck was drafted, he's the only quarterback the Colts have drafted since Andrew Luck was Chandler Harnish, Mr. Irrelevant back in 2015, I think. And I guess the other one would be, uh, for me, probably Cat, who was in your neck of the woods till recently, Ryan Suckup. Yeah, that was probably worth the pick. Kickers, I did a study on a few years back, though. The ones, and this has been five or six years, but I did a sample size for all the guys who were in the league. I was doing some draft work for Corey Chavis at the time, and I think the ones who were undrafted actually outperformed the kickers who were drafted. So it's not exactly a case to draft a kicker. But hey, speaking of which, you don't subscribe no, no, to the athletic, no. do you? 
I do not. They had a great article on Sebastian Janikowski that if you were an athletic subscriber, I would say you should read it because it was incredibly entertaining. It was about the Raiders taking him in the first round. Which is now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, he he was probably because of the way they used to draft that, you know, I'll say this. It's probably one of the best first round picks they've ever had, but I don't care how good a kicker is. Yeah. You, you know, you, you just don't do it. You just can't do it. You cannot do it. I don't care if he was, you know, what kind of foot he had, how bad you needed one, you know, you, you just can't do it. And they did it, you know, and only Al Davis would have done that, you know, and this is a team who had some track records for some hideous picks. Uh, but even though, even though he panned out in a big way, still wasn't value. It's the, it's the complete antithesis of value. Well, it was an interesting story. I won't spoil it for the people who have not read it. I hope you will. But let's talk NFL Draft and Vanderbilt. Sure. Where do you see the big three landing and when? Now, where? I, who in the world knows? Uh, when? You know, there are some that have Keyshawn Vaughn on the outskirts, you know, or the, the, the back end of the top 10 in regards to running backs in this draft. You know, I, I've even seen a couple of guys ahead of him that I don't agree with. I mean, I've seen as early as, as late as today where Antonio Gibson was rated ahead of him. And don't get me wrong. I, I think Antonio Gibson is, is special, but that's a very small sample size. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn is, is to me, you know, I, I, it's clearly, of course, and I guess it depends on what you're looking for uh, as a running back, you know, and there's some people that think that Antonio Gibson can even play receiver, but as a, when the, the totality of it all, I mean, and again, I get compared, it depends on where you're going, but I think Vaughn's a totally better prospect. Uh, you know, I don't think he goes, I, of course, he's not going tonight. I don't think that he goes tomorrow either. I, I think that he goes uh, in the, in the fourth round. Uh, probably somewhere near the end of it. So I'm going to say back half of the fourth, early fifth round. And I think that he could be a very good compliment to, to, to several different franchises and their backs out there. Um, I had Mike Keith on last week, last Saturday morning. And yeah, he loved the idea of, of Keyshawn Vaughn backing up Derrick Henry in Houston, Houston, good grief, excuse me, uh, in Tennessee. I mean, that would be a, uh, you imagine that Chris from oh, Derrick Henry to Keyshawn Vaughn would love I mean, it. That would be, you know, and, and, and think about this, if, if, you know, and the Titans look, I, I think the Titans either go and, 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 uh, Mike agreed with me. Uh, this is, uh, best available tackle at that point, or let me say this, if Josh, jo if Josh Jones is still around, you know, I don't think you reach on a tackle, but uh, if by some reason uh, someone like him is still around, I mean, I, I think you, you 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 pounce on that. I like Dennis Kelly, and I think he's serviceable, but he's a swing guy. You know, I mean, he's 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 a, he's a filler and a good one. There's no doubt about that, and, and that, but that's his role. Uh, but if you could get a guy like Josh Jones, I mean, I think he's left take tackle capability. Uh, of course, you know, I mean, that's already taken care of uh, with, with Taylor Lewan. But if you could have Lewan and Jones going forward as your tackles, I think it'd be a great. I think they'd be great book tackles, man. That'd be uh, that'd be the ideal situation. And then if they don't go there, I think clearly cornerback is the other need. 
I'm going to go Vaughn round five, Pinckney round six, Lipscomb round seven. You buying it? Uh, that's where that's where I'm at. That, that's that's where I'm at. I'm either I'm either four six seven or five six seven. And I, and I'll say this: I, I think somebody will 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 at that point in the fourth round, he's going to clearly be one of the two or three best running backs left on the board. I think at that point, you know, you know, him guys like, Eno Benjamin, Antonio Gibson, guys like that. Um, and I, I think somebody makes the move somewhere in the later stages of the fourth round. So we're real close. I'm going four, six, seven. You know, I am not a draft expert or a talent evaluator. I still can't for the life understand how he is that, lowly regarded by the NFL. I mean, I look at his career. You take him, you take DeAndre Swift. Who had the better career, especially considering the circumstances? I mean, to me, it's Vaughn. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy, but here's what I'll say to you. I'm, I'm going to revert back to that conversation that I had Saturday with Mike Keith again, and and we were talking about those two particular players. Uh, and, and the way that I phrased it was this, and I, and I think, and, I, and you're a numbers guy, and you're an analytical guy, so I, I know you'll understand what I mean, is DeAndre Swift a better running back uh, prospect than Keyshawn Vaughn? Yes. Yes. Clearly, yes. The answer is yes to that. But is... DeAndre Swift in the first round, does that constitute more value than Keyshawn Vaughn in the fourth round? And I think the answer is no. I, I, yeah. I think the gap, but I think the gap between those two is not so great uh, that you can't address another need outside of something like running back in the first round. Uh, that, that gap is not that far, that, that far apart. It's just not. Oh, I'm completely with you. I mean, the injury thing does concern me. But that is a dude, you look at his life now, okay, he's he's married, he's got a young kid, he's always been a guy who has carried a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he came back to Vanderbilt, one of the things he was looking to do was get his degree, which a lot of people thought would never happen, and he got an internship, I think, in finance or something like that, because he's already got his eye on what he is going to do after football. Ten times out of ten... I will take a guy like that who's kind of got a plan and is goal-oriented and driven rather than the guy who's just floating through life hoping to God he passes the drug test. And by the way, that's not none of that is, is meant towards Swift at all. I'm not saying any of that is true about Swift, but I'm just saying uh, for Keyshawn Vaughn, and you know how a lot of this is in the NFL. These guys are uh, talented, but a lot of times directionless. I like that about him on top of the skill set. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. And, you know, I was just sitting here thinking about, uh, I mean, seriously, if you make me pick somebody uh, to where he could go, I don't think there's a better situation than in, right there in Nashville, Chris. And not just because he's prepped there and played there in college. I mean, that's great, and that's that'd be, you know, I think that'd certainly help him out a little bit, especially with a family now, and you wouldn't have to uproot him. Uh, but I think he'd fit that offense pretty well. And I'm going to throw a player comp out there. And of course, you know how those go. I mean, those, those are, they're very subjective. Uh, But you know, you you know what I kind of think of when I think of key, See, see if you can feel me at all here. I look at key as a poor man's version of Frank Gore. Oh boy. Man, you know, the, the thing about Gore um, is now that he's 81 years old, I can't remember huh. as much. Like your your memory of a guy sometimes is the last thing you saw. You just think is Gore is the guy that 
defies father time. He don't remember him um, for for what he was and the explosiveness and stuff that came with him, um, if that makes sense. So, I mean, yeah, Frank I mean, I could buy it. Back in the day. Well, although yeah, Frank was a, a most. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing with Keyshawn, okay, you talked about him as the Titans, uh, that being a fit there. Well, the Titans sort of need a quote-unquote third down back, although Henry's kind of an every down back, but in that role, right, because Deion Lewis is gone. He was never that at Vandy, but my goodness, when you got the ball in his hands um, on a screen pass, it it was terrifying if you're a defense because he could take it to the house from any spot on the field, and I'm just thinking there is a chance to use him in that capacity in the league, and that also limits the – pounding he's going to take which is one of the big question marks to begin with and I look there's there's a ton of things I don't understand about last year but for the life of me why they did not get him the ball more on screens like the one that he took to the house against Florida is a junior is beyond me yeah look that that's your statement is true he wasn't that but that doesn't mean that he isn't that you know, I mean, because he because he can't, he absolutely can be, in in every sense of the word. We just didn't. You well, know, think I, about I mean, this so for a minute. I know what you're saying, but I think about it like put it like this: if he doesn't have that, that's one thing. But you can clearly see in the small sample size that when they did do it, what he was able to do uh, as, as a result. So to me, that's about hello. Uh, your connection went hello? bad for a minute, but I'm still here. I can see that happening. My internet is crap these last two weeks. I'm telling you. Uh, yes, I can tell on my end, but we will get through this. Well, what I was saying is that yeah, you just said exactly what. I was thinking you might have said it better than I meant, but I mean, I think that he's got that kind of capability. Okay, think back to this, okay? Before we knew what Keyshawn Vaughn was at Vanderbilt, do you remember what the the uh, the knock on him was? Uh, well, I remember that – I know I was either the, the reps or the production went down at, in, in his second year there in Illinois, if I remember correctly, but I don't remember what the situation was. Well, the production and the reps went down because he wasn't on the field almost at all. Coach's decision – you know, maybe he had some of that – some to blame for that, but um, <laughs> I, I tend to – looking back at that Illinois staff and Lovey Smith, I, I tend to think that was more on them than on Keyshawn. Who knows? That's not what is really no, important. Anyway. Maybe he wanted to go home. Well, maybe, maybe. he just wanted to be home. M- maybe so. But what I was getting – the knock on him was ball security, that he was fumble-prone. I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head, he might have lost one fumble in two years at Vandy. Chris, he's the best back we've ever had. Oh, he just hands down. I mean, it would be he just he he's better than Webb. He's better than Stacy. I mean, it would be back to Frank Mordica, who I saw as a kid, but I was a little kid. And my memory of that, I mean, I'm just not equipped to make a judgment, but um he was the best back I've covered, hands down. And I think between that and I don't think he I don't remember him dropping a lot of passes either, do you? No, but it's just because I don't remember seeing a lot of pass, to be honest with you. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just 
he just had something else that nobody else that we've ever had has had. I mean, we've had talented guys. I would have loved to have seen, you know, a full career of somebody like Raymond Perkins. You know, I mean, he was an extremely talented young man, but it was the, 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 the sample size was so small. Uh, you know, Key had two outstanding years of production, you know, and I just, I love everything about that dude's game. He's, 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 you know, he, he plays with an edge and he plays with a chip and every time that he had the football in his hand, uh, whether, you know, I mean, we didn't have the greatest offensive line, but every time he had that ball in his hands, you had a chance. He had a shot to, to to bust something big, and you knew it. I think about was it either the first play of the game or one of the one of the very first plays of the game uh, uh, against LSU. You know, I'm sure you remember what I'm talking about. In fact, Vanderbilt ended up scoring first, but if I remember correctly, it was one of the first two or three plays and a big explosive run by Key off the right side that uh, got us our uh, that resulted in our first touchdown, and we had the lead against the national champions. Yeah, he got them into the red zone, I think maybe even inside the 10. But I want to take a detour for a second, and then I think I'm going to go to the mailbag pretty quickly because there's a ton of good questions that I want us to tackle. But, um, and this is where memory fades too, but if Warren Norman keeps two healthy knees, where does he rank on that list of the best backs you saw at Vandy? How does that career look like? What does the stat line look like when he's done? There's two guys. There's two guys that I had wished that they had been able to stay healthy, you know, all, all, all the way through or whatever. And I'd like to just seen. Uh, I think the first one is the one that you mentioned, and he was the more talented of the two. I think. Uh, I, I think he had a chance to really be good, Chris. I really do. I, I, I think he was key good, but I, but I think he had a chance to be really good. And then the other guy, and you know. I, of course, it's a little bit sketchy because it's been a long time ago, but I remember uh, thinking he had a pretty decent skill set was Lou Thomas. Uh, do my, I have another faulty internet connection? Well, no, no, you do not. I actually left my chair to get a couple of media guys because I wanted to look something up. Yeah, Lou Thomas was a – he had a really good half of a season – and this was before I was covering, but that would have been 98. And I'm trying to remember something about Lou. I don't remember. For some reason, this is cropping up, and some of the, the old gangsters will have to help. Was he committed to Clemson at one time? That is what I was thinking. It seems like there was a connection with between Thompson committed to Clemson and decommitted and went to Vanderbilt or something like that. I don't, did he transfer from Clemson? I, I don't No, I think he was committed so and came straight to Vandy. He was committed to Clemson, but came here. That is the way I remember it. I might be wrong again. That was before I was I actually covering so the team. So, yeah, I mean, Clemson wasn't exactly doing what they're doing now, but still, I, I, every time I think about Lou, I always think about Clemson for some reason, and I can't exactly remember why. Well, he did pan out better than Andrew Diamandi. What about, did he pan out better than Chris Matasic? <laughs> Chris Matasic never uh, transferred from Clemson, so please try to stay in the, uh, in the family the of the conversation of, here. Wisconsin. The pride of Cudahy, Wisconsin. Holy cow, how do we remember this stuff? Because uh, what else are we going to do? 
what I'm doing, give me a second. I'm trying to grab a couple of old media guides because I want to look through that signing class that they got Norman in for just a minute. So I think if you want to, while they're doing that, do you want me to tell the listeners a story or something? Uh, go for it. It won't take me long, so make it short. Okay, so I've been bitten twice by a dog in my life. The first time I got bit by a little dog and my great-grandfather's walking and some little punk dog came up behind me and bit me on the, uh, what do you call that, uh, or the back of your ankle, what do you call that, Achilles heel. Uh, the second time I got bit by a dog was about five years ago. Man, it's four man. We're playing volleyball. You know, I play ball. Uh, it's four man outdoor on the beach, hot as a dog, hundred degrees outside. And this lovely gal named Amanda, she's got this puppy dog. He's about a year old. It's a great Dane named Rocky. That's my homeboy. Well, Rocky was drinking in his water dish. It was really hot. I'm coming off the court, man. And I grabbed my shirt, which is in the fence link to wipe my eyes off because I can hardly see between the sweat and the sand. Well, I go to reach for my shirt and it was in the fence right next to Rocky's water dish. And so even though he was my boy, he thought I was going to take his water dish and I got bit on the volleyball court by a great Dane. And that's the end of the story. Not bad on the spur of the moment. Um, okay, Thank I you. found the class that Norman was in. That would have been the 09 class. Wasn't quite as good as I thought, top to bottom. But here's kids who were in that class. Uh, the ones that I'd say were the most productive. Wesley Johnson, Javon Marshall, Walker May, Warren Norman, Zach Stacy, Wesley Tate, Trey Wilson. It's not a bad class. You actually had that's a that's very productive. You had two All SEC level players and Stacy. I don't know if Stacy ever made it, but he was that level player. And of course, uh, Wes Johnson, who was started every game for them after a redshirt year at left tackle. I think um, I don't know if all of them were at left tackle. But he started fifty one games. Marshall was a decent player. Started a few years. Uh, Walker May was a nice. Uh, rush in in spots, not like an every down guy, but a guy that contributed. Norman, we talked about. Uh, you had some busts in that class Brady Brown, Charlie Goro, Colin Ashley, Mylon Brown. But that's, um, you know, Trey Wilson was a nice Charlie player. Charlie Goro. <laughs> did you, remember, Charlie did you realize, Goro. and I only know this because I was looking through the record books a lot as I do the Vandy Sports 100, Trey uh-huh. Wilson had four pick sixes in his career. Four. From uh, Trey played at Evangel, if I remember, Evangel Christian out of Shreveport. I think that's right. It was uh, Louisiana for sure. Yeah, yeah, he, he turned out to be a really good player. Yeah, I like Trey Wilson. Yeah, four. I think had six picks in his career, and four went for scores, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, I like Trey a lot. I liked Trey a lot. I did. Yeah, it was Evangel. So you're right. Well, sorry for that. I wanted to look that up because I remembered. Norman was in a pretty good signing class. I knew Stacy was in it, but I couldn't remember exactly who. I remember that because that was the class that they pointed to as sort of the one that they could maybe use to turn the program around, but it was coming off the Music City Bowl at the time. I know we got to get to the mailbag, but we do need one player. Just, just, just appease me. You got that media guide with you? I do. Right what you need to know? What's want? Pick three players from the sta- from from that class, and I'm going to see if I can get the state. Just random players. Let me see if I can get the state. Okay, this one will be easy. Thad McCaney. You remember Thad McCaney? Brentwood Academy. 
Yep. Good. Okay. Blake Sutherland. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was Brentwood Academy, right? Yeah, it was Brentwood Academy. Correct. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. our internet okay. connection crapped out for a minute. Okay. Blake Sutherland. Blake Sutherland. He played at uh, Greater Atlanta Christian, I believe. Yeah. Who did they just get from GAC? They just got a commitment like within the last few months from GAC, didn't they? Or a signee? I mean, wasn't that where uh, uh, – God, who's the big guy? God, I just went blank. Our, our, our tackle that just transferred to Georgia Tech. Uh, yeah, that's who it was, Devin Cochran. That's that's what it was. Devin that's why Cochran. that's on my Devin, mind. Devin I don't even yeah. – honest to God, I don't even remember Blake Southern. Like, I do now that because I'm I looking at this. I, I, thought, I thought he decommitted and worried. He left. He might I have. I, wanna, I think he left. Okay. Next, last one. Uh, Let's see. Mason Johnston, another one that I've almost totally forgotten. Mason Johnston, was he a tight end? Yes. Uh, Was he out of Florida? Wright State. See if you can tell me where. I can give you Uh, one. I I can give you two hints, but it would give it away. I want to say he played at the Bowles program. You have nailed it. The alma mater of really? Chipper Jones and also who was that running back that came to Vandy from uh, there? Uh, it's not, it's, it's, his name was like, it's not, I know it's not Vandy. Jack Van uh, Balkenberg or something like that. Uh, Samsonite. <laughs> Uh, it was it, it was really built. I mean, he was a ripped dude. It was it was like Jack. Uh, uh, it's like it's like Van Valkenburg <laughs> or something like. I that. would I would uh, know it if you hadn't messed me up here because I yes Va- Ryan Van Rensburg. That's it. Ryan Van Rensburg. That's right. <laughs> I don't know why I was calling him Jack. Man, I can't believe I got the Mason Johnson one. Man. Hey, bring it on, y'all. Just bring it on, man. I can't believe I remember that. I, I can because I know you. But uh, let's go to the mailbag, shall we? Yeah, come on. The mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan and independent insurance agent Josh Minton of Brentwood. If you need home, auto, motorcycle, renters, landlord, life, or commercial insurance, Josh is the guy to contact. Please call him at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Facebook at J.D. Minton HQ. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it on the podcast, and I think you will be pleased. Mr. Vandy says, what did you think of the football and basketball commitments this week? Mm, uh, well, uh, first you want to start with the football one? Uh, man, Trion Sergic, man, that's, God, Chris, that makes me so happy. Uh, not just the offer list. I mean, we love the offer list, clearly. That's one of the biggest gauges and probably the biggest one. Uh, but we just haven't gotten guys like this, Chris. I mean, you know what? And I promise, I, I'm not taking too much of that baby fat off of him. You know, I'll, I'll trim him up a little bit, man. But look how quick he already is off the ball. 
I mean, th- th- think about that. He is so quick and powerful off the ball. Uh, what does he sit about six foot two? You know, I mean, the motor is relentless. This is a big time get our guy. You and I both have done radio with him. Good, you coach Javon. Hey, man, well, he's making you can't you listen to these cats talk and they keep mentioning his name. How much they like him. And I'm telling you, I know Jordan Butler backed out and went to Northwestern, but think about this, Chris, just in the last couple of years with the transfers and the signings, but the Davion Davises, the Derek Greens, you know, guys like that. And, and now Tyrion Surgic and 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 hey, you know, I even mentioned on the on the board the other day, so, you know, Rutgers starting to take that uh, turn towards what we're looking for. You know, and then, you know, i I'll just say this. I still got to do it, but from a blueprint or at least from a stuff standpoint, some of these last couple of classes and, and of course, with the transfer, at least from a potential standpoint, it has, has guys that we just generally don't get. And finding true SEC-level uh, defensive tackles, three techniques, guys like that are very hard for us to score. You know, they they just don't happen very often, almost never. And we're starting to get them every now and then and have serious interest in them. And you got to think that Javon Hayes is a big part of that. Two things we know about Javon. Uh, he's likable because you know I've been around him a lot. And oh, two yeah. is cool, uh, Javon is not lazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. And, and, and so I love the football side of it. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce the team's name. I don't know how you say it on the, bas- on the basketball side of things. Um, I'll tell you this, you know, a couple things stick out, you know, of, of the film that I've had a chance to watch, you know, and that is just what it is. But I mean, still developing a shot that's clear. You know, I don't think this is a guy that you need to get in the paint and he's going to shoot 10 foot, 10 footers, you know, with, with, with regularity and maybe his offensive game develops, but he attacks the rim, runs the court in transition fantastically, defends the rim, you know, has, seems to be a pretty smart young man. And again, is really just learning the game. I think this is a guy I think physically can contribute right away. Uh, you like, you know, the, the build is there. So you add a little strength. I think it's there already. Athleticism. We need a true rim protector. Uh, but the fact that he runs the court in transition at his size, the way he does, I love, I love to see that. Um, you know, I'm not interested in who did or didn't offer him. You know, it's about what fits you. And there's not really anybody on our roster that he reminds me of, Chris. You know, and we need to mix some things up there. And I, you know, he's he he seems to be pretty unique for me. It's an in-state get. You and I were talking about that the other day when the last time, you know, because I don't know if we're ever going to get another football commitment in the state of Tennessee. Um so we may have to just do it in basketball. And you and I talked about it the other day. It seemed like it had been years and years since they had one. Uh, that's a great score. And going into Knoxville to, to a program like Catholic, who beat Briar, a very good Briarcrest team for the state championship last month, I like it. There's not much not to like about it. Yeah, we talked about the lack of Knoxville area kids outside of baseball. And this came up on the board. In fact, it may have been a question in the mailbag, and I forgot to put it down. So I'll ask, the the ones that I think about from that area, Case and Jackson Garrison out of which 
He not went to Central. Central? Okay. Yeah, you had Jeff Jennings true. out of Dandridge, Jefferson City, which is close. Uh, it's kind of – not... They were the same class, too, if I remember correctly. Jeff Jennings, I think, was the first Vanderbilt commitment I've ever that I ever spoke with uh, in my role at the site. So I remember him well. Really? Yeah. I like, want to say like those two guy. were in the same class, if I remember correctly. Those came They came in together, if I remember right. Yeah, and Jeff, I want to say, had some injuries. Like, he was more valuable, I think, at the start of his career than at the back end of it. Did he move to linebacker at Vandy at some Line, point? Linebacker. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he 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 moved from one side of the ball to the other, and that that sounds right. Uh, I want to say he started out at running back and and moved to linebacker. I, my, my my memory may be sketchy on that, but I do believe he did make that transition. They had to hold him off out of high school because he was the first commitment in that class. I remember, and. Auburn started recruiting him and wanted him at linebacker, and Vanderbilt promised we will leave you at running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wish I could remember, but I, I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, and I saw that question. I perused the mailbag uh, yesterday. I hardly ever get a chance to do that, but uh, I, I saw that they were asking. And of course, you know the other player from the area, don't you? Uh, Jay Fishester, mm-hmm. if you want to go back a long time. Well, I don't want to go. I don't have to go nearly that far. This guy made one of the biggest plays uh, for Vanderbilt fans and football-wise in a long, long, long time. And this was fairly recently. I've drawn a complete won blank. A, won a huge game on the road in the SEC in his own backyard. Well, we already said Case and Jackson Garrison, so I know it's not him. No? I've drawn a blank. No, no. He wasn't a running back. Made, he made one of the coolest trick plays, faking a throw. The jump in the air, getting oh, the man Oh, Pat Robinette, of course, Maryville. Pat yes. Robinette from Maryville. That's right. Pat um, Robinette. They had a – I want to say they had a lineman eight or nine years ago, an offensive lineman – that I want to say came for a semester or two and then left because of a, I don't know if it was a family thing or a, or academics or what it was. I cannot think of who that was. Yeah, that that's, uh, I'm not, uh, no, nothing's popping up in the old memory bank on that one. I cannot those think of the, the kid's name. But yeah, those so, are the three that I remember. Okay, not a lot. I mean, baseball, you had Patrick Raby. Um, Keenan Kalinske was from there, didn't play a ton, was a left-hander who maybe gave you half a dozen innings a year. Um, gosh, I know I'm leaving out some – oh, Phil Pfeiffer, of course, was the, the highest probably regarded kid they got out of Knoxville from a baseball standpoint at the time, and I know I'm leaving out a couple others, but – Anyway, God, we're three hours away, Chris. Three hours exactly right now. I'm here to get you through it. SR Kane says, list your difference makers and top performers on defense for the football team next year. How many? Uh, he He just said the difference makers. Okay. All right. Well, I I think one that I'm going to, that I'll name is, 
is is not that big of a stretch. I think Dial's got to be one of those guys. I mean, he's he's long and so talented, and when he gets that motor going, he's he's tough to block. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But I'm gonna throw another one out there for you. You ready for this? We don't talk about this guy enough, and I'm not sure why, Chris, because he he, he as a freshman last year, he absolutely flashed. You know, he did, and that's Jalen Mahoney. Yeah, I mean, Mahoney really graded well in pro football focus. In fact, I think he was their top-rated DB. Now, I don't know how many snaps he took, but he graded very well. I mean, you didn't notice him a lot, which a lot of times for a DB is good, but yes. And let me throw one more out there. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think one of our defensive tackles uh, or another defensive lineman did have to be a DT uh, is going to step up. And I can't decide if I think it's going to be because the other guys, you know, that, that'd be strictly on potential. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say whoever takes their game to the next level between Rutger and Davion Davis. Well, Rutger Reitmeyer had a really good practice, the last one that I saw. So uh, the light was starting to click. I'll tell you another one. This is the classic Vandy redshirts a kid, and then you know four years into it, they're a junior. Five years into it, they're a senior. Um, you know, whereas kids from Alabama, Florida, those places are playing as freshmen and leaving after their junior years. Uh, but that, that's where that development between the redshirt and the staying for an extra year comes in. Andre Mintz could be that guy because Mintz graded pretty well last year on Pro Football Focus. Yeah, man, you know, I like Andre. And I've I've been, you know, he seems like a really dedicated dude, you know, just following him on social media. And and, and he really wants to get the most out of out of his out of his playing time. And I like him. I think he's he's got a decent upside. I think Andre's a good answer. And then of course, you know, another guy who uh Boy, I mean, he's 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 got a lot of range. He's long, you know, and he's made plays. He's made some plays in the past. I just need them to make more and on a consistent level. That's Kenny Abair. Yeah, same thing. Um, I guess Kenny will be a fifth year outside backer. Like, here's the other thing too. I almost wonder if the outside or all the linebackers get better by default, just because the whole thing with Tarver never really seemed to work, and that's where they suffered the most maybe was at that position. And speaking of which, uh, maybe Dimitri Moore. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we've always thought he was a talented kid coming in. It just hasn't played all that well. But now he's what is, I guess, fourth year on campus, third year as a starter, would have played as a true freshman but redshirted. Yeah, at least the third year, third or fourth year. Yeah, no doubt. I think he was an early enrollee. I want to say, and was he was gonna. Right? He played. He like he played in part of a game as a true freshman. I mean, just a few snaps and then got hurt. Maybe he wasn't an early enrollee, but um, I thought he was. Either way, well, he came from he, he came from the what is it, it was he came from Cedar Hill, if I remember correctly. Right, what one of the bigger time, big time programs in the state of Texas, uh, that, 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 that region out there, that's as good of the football you're going to find, uh, in the entire state, uh, right there. And physically he looked the part, uh, you know, and Hey, 
that that would be uh, that would certainly be huge. But it's it it, it just made me think. Uh, boy, you know they 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 pulled some really nice prospects out of the state of Texas lately. I just need them to kind of go to that next level. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's great to get them out of there, but they hadn't quite panned out the way we want. And I think you and I both know I'm looking at a a a, a, a brother combination, you know, <laughs> from Rockwell. Uh, maybe if they can take the next level, I mean, physically as, as talented as it gets. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm right there with you. I think Dimitri Moore and Kenny Abear both fit that bill. Next question. Based on what we know right now, what's your starting five in men's hoops next year? Uh, whoa. Oh, man. Okay. Scotty Piven. Yeah. Mm. What's the chance Tyron Lawrence starts next year? You Don't know. know. Well, you look, know, I, they've I, got I, they've I, got DJ Harvey. Although I guess Harvey could be more of a three, but DeSue's kind of been a three. Harvey's a three, though, right? Harvey's a three, though, right? Well, you need a you need a backup point guard, right? You do. And some of this is how your rotation is structured. So I would think that Lawrence comes off the bench for that reason. Okay. I got no beef with that whatsoever. Uh, Cleavon. You know, yep. so Harvey, Cleavon, Pippen. Are we, are we are we saying Dessou? Well, here's what I wrote down. I've got six guys for five spots. You go Pippen, Harvey, Dessou, and Brown, I think probably for sure. And then I either went with Quentin Molloy Brown or Max Evans, depending on how you play that. And again, that might yeah, depend uh, on how you structure your rotation because you really you want to get your best five starters to start the game mostly. That's usually the idea, but you also don't want a situation where you you drop off and you bring in two or three guys and you put yourself at the mercy of a 10-2 run. So you might, if you're on the fence, you know, you might, you know, if you got two guys battling for a spot, you could conceivably bring the best guy off the bench just to guard against that. I mean, there's a lot of ways to think through it, but that to me, I, I think it's either Evans or Marullo or Brown, and they play different spots. Uh, but to, to me, those are probably the six guys for the five spots. And I'm guessing, yeah, and, I'm and, guessing they and, go and Malore Brown and bring Evans off the bench. That's probably what I would. Yeah, that, we're on the same exact page. That's that's what I was going to say too. That means, well, Harvey, I think my dream, and he's more of a three than a two, but I don't know that how much it really matters, right? I, it. I mean, no, it doesn't. I mean, I don't think not today it doesn't. It may have five years ago. I don't think it does today. Now, keep in mind, they don't let us into any practice. So this is where if access is different, I get to watch those kids and have a better idea of what they really have. And to be honest with you, a lot of what is put out there, um I, I don't know, I just I need I kind of the older I get I need to see it with my eyes before I just believe practice buzz but it's interesting and people like it and talk about it but that makes it harder for me to know what they have because 
We're just not going to get to see it. The order of love. Let me add, this is a question for me. Uh, in regards to if we don't sign anybody else uh, in this class, if it is strictly Lawrence, uh, if it's strictly Lawrence and Studi, and uh, is it a pay? How, how do you say it? I, uh, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. You know, I'm talking about the kid that committed this week. Yeah, I was when I read it. I I think Odusipe. Odusipe. But I have not uh, seen the those right. Well, let's leave it at those three coming in. Let's just say that because I know they're hoping for Kerwin Walton, but I don't know how we feel about that. At least at this point, point. Uh, and then I know there's uh, what is it? Uh, Dylan Cardwell still a possibility. But let's just say the class is at these three. Uh, the likelihood of playing time or next year, I mean, think clearly would be Lawrence number one. But what about these two? What do you, you know, who's more likely to see the floor? Uh, what are my choices again? Between the other two, Odisipe and, and Studi. Oh, okay. Sorry, the internet connection is cut in and out. Oh, man. Um, I think Studi. Just think the other one's too raw right now? Well, Odisipe, from what I hear, is more like 6'7 than 6'9. And that's from someone who's seen him in person at a few games. Okay. And you still have Obina. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue with. It. I, 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 I don't. I, I know Lawrence is the right answer up top, but the other two, I mean, I, I wasn't really sure. All right, what else you got? Let's see. Five star Doherty says he think Coach Stephanie White is entering a make or break season next year. Um, you know, well, here's what I will say. Uh, I know she's killing it in, in filling out this roster right lately. You know, uh, first of all, I think Shakira Levy was a good get for her, you know, and some of the transfers she's had lately and some of the players she's picked up, she picked up some big time players. Uh, so I, you know, I think she's got a chance to turn it around, but as far as make or break, man. How about I open up that can of worms? Uh, probably not, <laughs> to, to be real honest with you. No, no, I, I'd say no. I mean, because it, 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 if if she's still there with the results that we've seen so far, I mean, you know, and, and then the other side of things is, is do you hear a large groundswell uh, banging for her job? I, I mean, other than the message board, because I mean, just, there's just not that much interest. I don't think there's enough interest in it right now as a program for it to matter is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not doing a great job of it, but I, I think you understand where I'm coming from. I just don't think there's enough. I think there's enough indifference that, you know, whether she wins four or five games in the conference or maybe to give her a year or two to see how some of these players she's brought in pans out. I don't know. Well, first of all, and Melanie Balkum started it. She has destroyed almost all interest in that program. So that's number one. Uh, number two, 
you got budget cuts. So I think she got a six-year deal. That is what I think the Indy Star had reported when she signed the contract. This will be five. I cannot see the school wanting to pay two people to coach, one being her buyout, um, with budget cuts coming, which you know are going to hit athletics because I can't imagine they're going to say, hey, we're going to cut everybody else's budget but not yours. So that's number two. Um, Number three, assuming Candace Lee gets the AD job, which I would – I would guess it's going to happen, but nobody's sure, and and so that's not me reporting. Candace is the one that hired her. Is Candace going to be the one to fire her early? I, I doubt it. Number four, I think the school is more interested in her politics than her win-loss record. So I think, to me, I look at it, and I think everything's stacked against it, plus Vanderbilt can always make an excuse for somebody, and you look at her recruiting, and they'll say, well, let's give her a chance with – uh, with her players and this terrific class she's bringing in. So she's got, on top of everything else, the built-in cop-out. Yeah. Hey, your connection went bad again. I'm just going to go ahead and go to the next question and hope you can hear me. I can hear you. Oh, good. Utah Ozzy says, list your top three relief pitchers in Vandy history. For me, that one's really easy, but I'll give you a shot first. The top, I'm sorry, the top what? Top three relief pitchers. For for Vanderbilt of all time? Yes. Uh, okay, all right. Let's see. I, I can do this. I'll probably, you know, I'm terrible at the baseball side of things. I'm So I'll do this. And don't mock me if I just get it horribly wrong, Chris. Just tell me, no, you're wrong, and here's why. Um, I'm going to go with Casey Weathers. I got to throw my boy Tyler in there. Tyler Brown. Tyler Brown's got to be in there. Tyler Brown, Casey Weathers, and... uh, Brian Miller? Those are my three, and it's not even close. Did I get it right? You did. You know, Miller, did you know Miller is their all-time saves leader? I can see that. Yeah. Uh, how many have? 27, I think. Nice. Yeah. I got that right. You did. You nailed it. I mean, that to yeah, me, it's not – to me, those three are head and shoulders above the field. I mean, the other guys you would have in there – if you want to go back to right when Corbin got there, Ryan Rote would be in there. Now, I thought that Russell Brewer had a really nice career. Statistically, it was really good. In fact, I was really thinking about putting him in the Vandy Sports 100. I did not. Uh, our buddy Mitch Light kind of talked me out of that, and I think Mitch had some good reasons. But he Russ had a nice career, but he, I think SEC play was a little bit shaky. And Navery Moore had a nice 2011, but he didn't get like a ton of innings. That team just uh, blew people out of the water. Navery was a BGA guy, right? Navery was a very highly rated BGA kid, yes. Yeah, that's that's right. I remember uh, Navery had had a big arm. He had some some injuries or something like that that kind of took, you know, kept him from reaching that max ability. You know, I want to say he redshirted his first year on campus due to injury, but I wouldn't swear by it. I think he had Tommy John 
in or after high school. Or maybe he missed his senior year, and I don't remember now, but yeah, I do think an injury was in there somewhere. Wow. Hey, by the way, just check this out. This just came across. I don't know if you saw this, Chris. Uh, Todd McShay is not going to be a part of the broadcast tonight because he's co- recovering from coronavirus. Oh, wow. Yeah, they so, just put that out there. Yeah. So well, recovery to him. Uh, all right. So, I, I, hey, hey, by the way, hey, Mitch Light, if you listen to this one, I got all three right. So proud of me. Proud of you, too. Thank you. My family's very proud. Okay, Ann Arbor says, make a list of three to five top Vanderbilt athletes who didn't play men's basketball, football, or baseball. Who would you pick since 03 who's not currently on a roster at VU? He says, in particular order, he would suggest Brant Snedeker, Simone Charlie, and Astra Sharma. Uh, Snedeker, for sure, and look, I barely follow those sports, so... Uh, I mean, Simone Charlie's name came up a lot. Had another track and field girl, didn't they, that was really good? Who am I thinking of? Uh, I Chris. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I remember her. Uh, of course, Brant. Uh, there's no way I can finish this list. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I played utter ignorance. I'm, I, I pull for us and all that other stuff, but I, I, I don't watch it. Yeah, I don't think I'm qualified to make that judgment. Yeah, Seneca's an I easy could, one. I couldn't possibly. Yeah. Mandy Fitz says, Seabass, if you were the ESPN or SEC Network Programming Director, what would you have programmed to fill our COVID days? Real answer not or for the whole viewing public, not just Vandy and Colts. <laughs> I watch more than just uh, my teams. <laughs> I promise. That's uh, a great question. You know, bad questions. I've, it's not an impossible task, but I mean, how long can you watch game replays? Now, I know a lot of people are like the, you know, like the, you know, the huge games and all this other stuff. I mean, for me, if I'm going to watch a game, it's probably going to be from last year. I'm not big in going back to 1978 and watching a football game. I just, it's not that I don't care. It's just not my thing. Um, I personally would have done a lot of draft talk because that is the centralized sporting sport event going on right now for basically the entire country. Uh, right now. So I would have had a lot of that going on game replays. Um, you know, me, Chris, I'm not into a lot of fluff, you know, and I'm not a big, you know, 30 for 30 behind the scenes, you know, how this guy feels about this emotionally. Uh, that's not really my thing. Uh, but to try to appeal to as many people as I possibly could. And especially knowing that you got a whole lot of people at home that are not really just as avid, as much avid sports fans, but it's an opportunity to cultivate some people that you may not normally be able to get your, their, their eyeballs on your program. Uh, but because everybody's home, that would change a little. So I would probably do things like that and do 30 for thirties and, 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 and that the stuff. If I'm the program director, I'd hate to have to do it as one of the hosts or analysts that would kill me. Uh, but I would do that to try to appeal to some eyes that I didn't already have. What do you think about that? What well, would you do? 
I'm not watching much SEC Network right now. I mean, almost not at all. Um, now, my son has got it all. My son is constantly watching replays of all kinds of games, especially football. He's been watching some baseball, too. I wonder if I'm the network, I'm asking schools to really cooperate. And, like, I'm saying bring us stuff out of your vaults that we don't have, like bowl games from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe. And this is part of my assumption, okay? I'm presuming that if you're the guy that is going to watch, you know, the the 2005 Sugar Bowl over again, you probably already watched it or seen it on YouTube. I'm going to try to work with schools and get some original material uh, that you haven't aired because you just have never been through something like this. And uh, I think that's one place that I might start. Yeah, I mean, those are good. Those are good directions to go to because, you know, again, like clearly, uh, <laughs> a lot of these things that, that David is seeing, he is seeing for the very first time. You know, and and, and some huge games and going far back. I think that'd be great. Uh, that's that's one of the better questions I've ever seen on this mailbag, and it's a hard one to answer. You know what else I'm pulling out? I'm pulling out a lot of rivalry games. I'm thinking any Alabama-Auburn game uh, that I have not shown that, that's a decent game at all, I'm going to pull out on the football side. Uh, you know, I I think 82-Vandy-Tennessee game was one I'd, I'd like to see again just to do. I don't know that I've ever gone back and watched that whole game again. It's probably out there, so maybe – Maybe it defeats the purpose because what I just said is games that maybe people aren't going to find already. But I'm looking at stuff like that. Now, I, I'm opposite of you. I really think I, – I don't really care about Joe said this and Joe said that and all the stuff that you talked about and what's this guy's opinion on that. But what I do think ESPN has done a fantastic job of is it's 30 for 30s. In fact, I've got the box set of the first two seasons it did. So I think a really well done 30 for 30, which of course you can't really produce any more of those right now, but that kind of programming has always appealed to me. It's something that's really well done. I, hey, it, it's, it's, it's whatever you like for me. My eyes, I, I, I'm about the game. I'm, I'm about the game itself. The, the underlining things, I'm not saying I don't care about, but I don't care about. I, 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 I just don't. Uh, you, you know, now look, it's cool to hear how somebody made it through some hard times and all these other things. And that's fine. Uh, but for me, I'm all about the game, you know? So that's why, and, and that's why things like the draft and recruiting appeal to me so much prospecting, uh, that, that type of deal. I, I, that is what I sink my, sink, uh, you know, my, my time into, but I get that not everybody's like that. And a lot of people like, like the, the human interest stuff and, and, and the, and the storylines. I'm not a storyline guy. I'm, I'm not interested in the storylines. The other thing, here's a few other things that I've thought about. I would, I think on the pro side, I try to find a lot of classic 80s NBA games. You know, Bird, Johnson, Magic. I think those, to me, almost never get old. And that's a personal thing. But a lot of us grew up in that era, and that's how we remember pro basketball. And I think that's – I'm sure they do some of this stuff already. I'm also thinking from a basketball standpoint, 
I'm trying to pull out as many really good NCAA tournament games, uh, especially in March and April, as I can. Uh, and I think they've done some of that, but I think, in fact, I know they have because you see it on Twitter and people tweeting about it left and right. But to me, that's a good programming choice. I'll tell you another one, and I'll yeah. pull this one out of left field. Um, A couple of USFL games from back in the day with Herschel Walker and those guys and Flutie would be interesting. The New Jersey Generals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's it, it just depends on who you are. You know, what that that those are cool, they're fine. Uh, but especially if I know the outcome, Chris, I told you, if I'm recording something and on the way home I hear the final score, I'm not even going to go home and watch it. Unless it's Vanderbilt or something like that. I, I need to see just who, who's doing what. But uh, if I know the outcome, I, I just I can't really watch it. Do you know what I have watched more than anything since the quarantine? Designing women. <laughs> Close. Sports related. More than more, I, I've, uh, I've watched uh, this more than anything else that I've watched since we've had the quarantine. The fabulous sports, babe. No, but you know what? I'm glad you said that. She had some good shows on radio. I'd that'd be in, interesting to find those again. And she was okay. Although all those sports talk radio shows from 20 years ago, that doesn't have a lot of appeal. But this is this is TV only. Oh, what you've been watching? Uh, I couldn't even begin. We got. I have binged on old This Week in Baseballs with Mel Allen from the 70s and 80s. Okay, now, 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 we're, now we can be friends. And you could, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't, you could have figured that out knowing me, knowing that I'm a baseball guy first. Yeah, I, that, I, that I can ride with. Yeah, yes, 100% agree. I will tell you another thing, and I've done these occasionally on YouTube, is I've gone back and watched some of the old... 70s and early 80s pregame NFL shows with Jimmy the Greek and Phyllis George and Irv Cross and all those folks that did it back then. That I get a uh, kick out of watching those too. I wouldn't mind going back to that. I'm not a real big fan of today's, uh, but man, when you take you know when those were on Chris is when I used to sit in front of the television set about three feet from my house, uh, three feet from the TV, uh, you know the kind where you at that age were the remote. <laughs> you right. know what I'm talking about. Get up and turn the channel <laughs> uh, and just sit there and, and watch stuff like that. Just man, those pre games, man, or 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 you know when you were a kid. You wanted to stay up, and you asked. You know, they were never going to let you stay up the whole night to watch Monday Night Football the whole game. You had to go to bed. But the one thing you begged for was, please let me watch the halftime show uh, with the, when they do the scores, you know, the highlights from the from the day before. Uh, and that was what? Howard Cosell, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was. Let me stay up long enough to watch the highlights from night, the night before. If I can do that, I'll be fine because, you know, you're, you're eight years old and you're probably not going to be able to stay up and watch the rest of the game and fall asleep. But I had to stay up long enough to watch those highlights. You know, another oldie but goodie is, I think it was the George Michael Sports Machine. Yeah. That was a Sunday night thing, I think. Is that right? I think I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Where are you taking me back? I'm not a big back in the day guy, but uh, I, I like I like what you're doing. Oh, I'm about as nostalgic as it comes. Yeah, not me. I, I'm 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 about what's going on right now. But I mean, it's 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 like I said, it's it's just two yards, whatever. You, it's whatever you dig. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to make a memory with my son tonight because he's been talking about the draft every day for the last week and begging to watch it. My wife is going to let him stay up and watch it with me tonight. Um, I think she's going to give him an hour or two. I'm sure he's going to lobby for more. But he is he is all over this draft, man, and he just turned six. Man, God, man, I, I love that kid. I love that kid. What did what did you tell me? Tell me what, what he said. He asked Bella a question or something about a player the other night, didn't he? Yeah, I'm standing in our dining room, and I overhear him in the kitchen. He says, Bella, what do you think about Justin Herbert? <laughs> I mean, that is so fantastic, man. You know this, what that's called? That's called great parenting. This one and I are going to get along so well. He is... I don't remember how this came up. He was watching the SEC tournament. I don't think it was even a Vanderbilt game. I think it was just one from last year. And I said, hey, buddy, you know, one of these days I'll take you to that. He got really excited. He said, will you take me? got dressed. He said, will you take me next year? I said, well, your mom and I don't have to talk about that. But Well, hey, I get it because when I was about eight years old, my first league, first year of football, I think our game was our first game was scheduled for nine o'clock in the morning, and uh, at five thirty, I had my entire uniform on, my helmet on, chin strap buckled, and mouthpiece in at five thirty in the morning. What do you remember the first sporting events you ever saw? Like not ones you played in, but like games that your parents or an uncle or someone took you to. Chris, you have to understand, I lived in Houston, Texas, and my family used to take me to, especially my grandparents, used to take me to Astros games, uh, man, and I can still remember uh, meeting J.R. Richards, and, and man, you're talking about Joe Sambito and Nolan Ryan, and my grandparents knew uh, Elvin Hayes, so I got to meet them, uh, I got to meet Elvin Hayes and uh, 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 Moses Malone, you know, I got to go to sporting events as a as a little kid, so I I I I would have to say I remember those. But I guess I guess the thing that I remember the most probably the first thing I remember was uh, getting to go on the field and meet uh, Ray Knight. Oh wow! Yeah, Ray Knight. Yeah, I get got out there standing, uh, you know, face to face, just a little boy to, to meeting. It was I met Ray Knight and. Alan Ashby, and I want to say Enos Cabell. You know, it, it might, or no, 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 Cesar Cedeno. Cesar Cedeno, and I was just a kid. And that was, and of course, I'm standing there, and the Astrodome is the biggest place in the entire world, and I'm just looking it up, and, and there's my heroes, and they weren't even my team. But uh, uh, yeah, I got a chance early. And then, of course, I got to go to the games, and uh, Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini and all those guys, Billy White, Shoes Johnson. So I got an opportunity to do that at a young age, but I'll give you $46,000 if you can tell me the two teams playing in the very first college football game I ever went to. Oh, boy. I'll give you one clue. Okay. Vanderbilt, they're both Division One. 
and both Vanderbilt is better than both of them in football. North Texas and Texas State. <laughs> no, but that's a fair guess. No, it was. Uh, you remember something? I was. I grew up in Houston. It was Rice. Uh, Rice was at home, and they were taking on Tulane. Yeah. Yep. First football game I ever went to, college-wise, was Rice and Tulane. Although, was Vandy better than Tulane last year? Not last year, probably not. But but uh, I, I would say, I mean, there's no de- debating that. Let's just go over the last ten years, at least. Clearly better. And I and I'll just say this: I probably still would have taken Vanderbilt last year. Do yeah. I, I have to ask myself this: Do I think that Tulane would have beaten a five and one Missouri team? I understand Missouri played like crap. Do you know what? We played well that game and played hard and made plays when we had to. I don't think Tulane wins that game. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have lost thirty four to ten to UNLV either. That's a fair point, but both mine was too. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, and with that, my children are invading my home office and asking questions about bike riding and such. So I think I'm going to go and attend to them. Tell people where they can find your show and where they can find you on Twitter, please. At Cheap Seats Bass, you can find my show on 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, though, tonight. I'm only going to 7. I'm cashing out, letting my uh, buddy of mine finish the show, and uh, I'm going to be square in front of this TV, son. You know what it is. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. You too. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast.